0: welcome to another episode of about mansfield i'm steve casillo broadcasting from the cellmark studios colleen daniel is here as always socially distancing from home along with the about mansfield news team this is episode 73 and we appreciate you being here today with us coming up on this episode it's mansfield news and weather for the upcoming
1: week
2: and don't forget the trivia question of the week for a 25 dollar gift card to our place restaurant Let's take a look at the stories we're covering this week.
1: This week, the COVID-19 epidemic in Mansfield remains low but stubborn.
2: Mansfield ISD COVID-19 safety and health protocols are coming to an end. Navigating the mental
0: health of a child, reporter Stacey Main talks with a local expert.
2: Mansfield ISD names teachers of the year.
0: Documenting the sounds of Mars, reporter Dennis Webb will
3: explain. In this week's Cocktail of the Week segment, we'll be talking about a cocktail that'll make you pucker up.
2: We have the seven-day weather forecast and Steve talks in studio about days gone by with Mansfield native Rick Wilson. We are Mansfield's only source for news, talk, and information. This is about Mansfield.
4: Hi, this is Paul Duncan with Trinity Roofing and Construction. There are over 7,500 roofers in the North Texas area, and when a major hailstorm blows through town, that number skyrockets with companies as far away as Montana. In the planning stages of re-roofing your home, it's normal for customers to ask questions such as, where are they based out of and how many years experience do they have roofing in North Texas? Trinity Roofing and Construction can answer each of these questions with confidence. As a family-owned, Mansfield-based business since 2011, Trinity Roofing and Construction recently received a Product Excellence Award by Owens Corning and are a Platinum Preferred Contractor with Owens. Wins Corning. Contact us today for a free, no-obligation video roof inspection. Rated A-plus with the Better Business Bureau. Trinity Roofing and Construction, a Mansfield company. Not only replacing roofs, but building relationships. Find us on the web at trinityroofingconstruction.com. That's trinityroofingconstruction.com.
5: Did you know that Southwestern Adventist University is located right in our backyard? With a small, safe campus, SWAU provides a Christ-centered learning environment with hands-on experiences and dedicated professors. For a limited time, local freshmen enrolling for fall 2021 will receive a stackable $3,000 scholarship. You can earn a bachelor's in psychology or a master's in counseling at Southwestern Adventist University. Learn more at swau.edu.
6: Business owners, have you thought about growing your business through social media but don't know where to start? Never fear. I'm Sonia Salazar and Wise Media Group is here offering coaching for do-it-yourself social media marketing or we can do it for you. We have packages for every budget. Wise Media Group specializes in organic Facebook and Instagram growth. Let's get Mansfield businesses connected in 2021. Give us a call for a free 30-minute consultation at 817 817- 913 2989 That's 817-913-2989. Or find us on social media at Wise Media Group. That's WISE, W-Y-S-E, Media Group on Facebook and Instagram. Wise Media Group, helping you make wise social media marketing decisions in 2021.
5: Hi! I'm Latasha Tagle, Executive Director of the Levitt
2: Pavilion, Arlington, and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to About Mansfield. This portion of the news is brought to you by Trinity Roofing and Construction.
0: The COVID-19 epidemic spread is reduced, but still stubborn here in Mansfield. Roving
1: science reporter Dennis Webb has the update. Dennis? Thanks, Steve. On Monday, May 17, Garrett County reported that 7,371 Mansfieldians had caught the virus, 7,000. 1,141 had recovered and 139 had died from the virus since the start over a year ago. We had 56 new cases this past week, nearly twice the week before, concerning as we have not seen numbers this high since March. The county estimates we now have about 230 active cases, about the same as the previous week. We had one new death from COVID-19 in Mansfield this past week. It appears that the recent weeks of up and down new and active cases means we are on a plateau in Mansfield. The virus is still here and spreading, just at a low level. Mansfield ISD reports seven active cases among students and two among staff, a decrease over recent weeks. This is the lowest number of active student cases since we started reporting in August. This past week, Tarrant County reported that 39% of Mansfield citizens had received at least one immunization compared to 28% countywide. The county does not report fully vaccinated numbers at the city level, though countywide, 21% of all Tarrant County citizens have received their final immunization shot. This is progress, but it has a long way to go to achieve immunized herd immunity. Most of Tarrant County's other epidemic indicators are flat or slightly increasing. The second week of a slight increase in hospitalizations over the previous week, 154 citizens were in a hospital bed with COVID-19, and an increase in weekly fatalities, 29 citizens, suggests a stubborn plateau or an increasing trend though still at a very low level of epidemic spread compared to what we saw in January. Another county indicator, R-sub-T, has decreased to 0.89, meaning that for every 100 people the county knows to be infected, they expect these to infect 89 other people. The epidemic is still spreading just at a low level. Our county judge, Glenn Whitley, encourages all citizens to register to get vaccinated. From the Science Desk at About Mansfield, I'm Dennis Webb.
2: The Mansfield ISD School Board has made the decision to return to normal operations beginning May 28th, two days after the last day of school. Starting on the 28th, the district's COVID-19 safety and health protocols will expire and face coverings will be optional. MISD will continue to clean and disinfect schools and buildings and will also continue to emphasize proper hygiene, such as frequent hand-washing, covering coughs and sneezes, and encouraging students and staff members to remain home when sick.
0: Mental health providers are seeing an increase in depression and anxiety in young people, and even more troubling is the increase in children attempting to take their own lives. Cook Children's wants to help with the JOY campaign, a suicide prevention initiative. About Mansfield's Stacey Main has more.
7: Joining me on the phone is Mansfield resident, Dr. Kristen Perch, who is co-medical director of psychiatry at Cook Children's. She's here to talk about the JOY campaign and how to help our children navigate their mental health. Dr. Perch, I understand that since even the middle of the pandemic, Cook Children's has been trying to let us know that there's been a rise in suicide attempts. Back in August, I was reading that you Already, we're getting record numbers with 29 suicide attempts. In September, you had something like 37. And then in March, you had 43. Can you tell me a little bit about the numbers and what might be behind those? Before COVID
5: hit, there was already um, a lack of mental health resources. Like, there just are not enough um, psychiatrists and counselors around, you know, for everyone that needs one to be able to see them. And so then whenever COVID happened, I think that it's increased the stress for a lot of kids and so now that we're seeing you know fewer resources and more need and so i think that kids aren't getting the help they need when they need it and it's leading them to present later and later whenever their depression is really bad and so sometimes they may be um, having their first mental health appointment in the emergency room after attempting suicide.
7: And so, what are we seeing here? What is leading to these suicide attempts? I think that there's a
5: variety of things at play, and I think they kind of stack on top of each other, and it just makes, for thing, makes things worse. And so, I, I think that kids that were already struggling with depression are now more isolated from their friends. They have fewer things to look forward to. And so, I think that that could worsen um, some mental health concerns. But I've had a lot of patients that I've seen just for ADHD up until this point that has come and said, I'm depressed. So I think that we're seeing new people present, you know, that didn't have mental health struggles before come in now with feeling depressed. And I think there's a lot of things at play. I think adapting to virtual school has been hard. I think the lack of interaction with their friends or with, you know, not having the extracurricular activities and those positive interactions with their coaches and then just not having really anything to look forward to because you kind of think it may be canceled. I, I just think all those things together have made for worsening mental health for kiddos.
7: Can you tell us maybe a little bit about the ages that you're seeing? Is it more boys or girls or anything that you might see that is kind of a pattern? I think that the teenagers have been particularly affected. And I
5: think that that's partly because of the way that their brain developed. You know, they're very here and now because the part of your brain that thinks about the future isn't quite developed yet, which all parents of teenagers can confirm that that is the case. And so I think that right here and now, is really hard for a lot of teenagers, and I think because of that, they are particularly at risk. And then, two, they really need those interactions more than anyone with their friends. And just not being able to do that safely, I think, has really had a hard impact on teenagers. The group of, of kids that are most likely, you know, pre-pandemic to try to attempt suicide has been adolescent girls, unfortunately. And that remains the same, that, that that's the majority of, of the patients that are, that are coming in after attempted suicide, or, or it particularly affects adolescent
7: girls. I wonder, too, if social media, for instance, you know, Facebook, seeing families who maybe didn't stay home and kind of take those precautions, Mm -hmm. And, and the people that were staying home, watching them, maybe played some kind of part in how we felt isolated. Absolutely.
5: You know, I think if you're already in um, a sad spot and you're feeling alone and, and like no one really cares about you, and then you're on social media and you see all of your friends, you know, hanging out without you, I think it just increases that feeling of loneliness and rejection. You know, whenever I was growing up if I didn't get invited to a party, I found out about it on Monday at school when people were talking about it. But right now, you know, teens see these things happening that they're not invited to in, in real time because, you know, people document things on Instagram. And um, and so I just think that that seeing it happen in real time with pictures and social media posts, I think it, that really does have a, a worsening impact on kids for sure.
7: And we always say that children are resilient. How do we help facilitate that? I'm hopeful that just raising
5: awareness about the mental health concerns can help parents have an open mind whenever they're talking to their kids about the things that they may be struggling with and just really empathize with them. You know, I think kids' resilience is why we're seeing the mental health impact happen now as opposed to a year ago, right? They were able to kind of go along and, and adjust to the changes, and then I think it's taken really till January till now for kids to just, you know, they're just exhausted and, and kind of tired of being alone. But I, I hope that parents are having open conversations with their teens and with their kids about how they're feeling, what's stressing them out. And, you know, if a parent is is worried that a kid is depressed, I hope that they'll reach out and get counseling started early because it takes so long to develop that relationship. But It can save a life. It can transform a life. But like I think it's so important for kids to be able to To have a counselor if they're um, in a bad spot.
7: And so with this vaccine coming and schools are opening and even cities like New York City are going to start reopening, jobs are being added, I heard the other day. How can we tell our children, what can we tell our children to just have them hold on just a little bit longer?
5: I think it it kind of comes down to um, the way that kids and teens see the world and the way that adults see the world. So we all, like adults, recognize that things are going to get better because the part of our brain that can process that is well-developed for us. For kids, it's not. And so that's that's called the prefrontal cortex. And so that's why they're very, teens and kids are very here and now focused because They just can't predict the future. So if you wanted to give a kid hope, you've got to focus on something that's changing right now Um, and something that they can look forward to like in the next month, two months, you know, like school's going to be over soon. We're going to be ready for summer. I think that that's easier for them to wrap their heads around than thinking, okay, in September, you can get a vaccine and life will be back to normal. Like I think they need stuff that just closer to them so they can process it.
7: How do we help our children adapt to life changes like a parent's job loss or moving or a death in the family?
5: Yes, that's a great question. You know, and I think kids really do look to their parents, you know, or or to their um, caregivers as examples of of how to be resilient and how to survive. So, and I'm not advocating for pain on a smile and acting like everything's okay. I think it's okay to be open with our kids and say, hey, this is really hard for me, and this is how I'm dealing with it. I'm talking to my friends. I'm talking to my family. I'm getting support whenever I need it. I'm exercising. I'm going outside or whatever. Adults use that help us. Hope. I think that we can help pass on that example to our kids.
7: So when we're talking to our children about these things, or even as we started off talking about um, looking for signs or talking to our children about their mental health and their well-being, what are the, what's the language we should be using?
5: I, I think kids and teens these days are more in touch with their mental health and well-being than like even my generation was and I'm really glad for that and so I think that they're probably better at talking about their feelings than we were you know I I think just having an open conversation with your teen like how are you feeling and if they say fine say no really how are you feeling or asking like more specific questions like who did you hang out with today Um, and just coming from a place of genuine curiosity because I know some teens will really feel like they're being interrogated if you start to ask them a lot of questions like that. But I, I think just having that open dialogue can be really helpful for kids. Sometimes whenever we're feeling badly, we don't recognize it, but other people do. So so things that parents can look out for would be a, a change in behavior. So a kid that was previously very social and engaged with their friends, talking on the phone or texting with them, all of a sudden doesn't really want to hang out with their friends. They're spending time in their room. They're irritable about everything. Um, like Those are the kind of things that we really get worried about. Um, if they're saying things like "I don't want to be alive anymore," I don't, you know, I don't know if I should apply to college because I don't really know if I'm going to make it. You know, if if they're starting to sound hopeless, that's whenever we we really do get worried.
7: And if you could tell me about joy, tell me about the suicide prevention initiative that Cook Children's is doing.
5: Yeah, so um, the Joy pa- Campaign at Cook um, is an acronym, uh, Joy, that stands for uh, Just Breathe, O is for Open Up, and Y is for You Matter. And so these are three tiny Tools that can have a big impact whenever we're feeling overwhelmed um, or frustrated, and so we're hopeful to remind kids that that things are going to get better, um, and that they do matter, and that we want them to stick around and you know to talk to someone if they're if they're feeling um, overwhelmed or like they don't want to be alive anymore.
7: And if we do have um, somebody out there who is feeling like they want um, to commit suicide, that they are looking at at that kind of situation, what do they need to do? Is there someone they can call for immediate help? Um, what can we do about that? If you are concerned that someone is going to hurt themselves in the
5: very near future, like that day, then I would advise calling 911 or taking someone to the emergency room but cookchildrens.org has our resources on it if, if it's not something that you're worried about that's going to happen in the really near future. So um, there, there are different ways to access counseling um, and things like that that could be helpful.
7: That was Dr. Kristen Perch, co-medical director of psychiatry at Cook Children's Hospital. If you know someone who is in immediate danger of hurting themselves, call 911 or take them to the emergency room. If you or someone you know may be considering suicide, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. That is 1-800-273-8255. And you can find more resources at cookchildrens.org backslash joy. Reporting for About Mansfield, I'm Stacy Main.
0: Two Mansfield ISD graduates earned the title of the district's 2021 Teachers of the Year last week. Hadley Brown, a first-grade teacher at Roberta Tips STEAM Academy, was selected as Elementary Teacher of the Year, while Anthony Shepard, a U.S. history teacher and football coach at Lakeridge High School, was named the Secondary Teacher of the Year. The teachers were chosen based on their excellence in teaching and positive impact in the lives of their students and staff members.
2: Hadley Brown is an MISD alumna and is in her sixth year of education, while Anthony Shepard attended MISD schools since the elementary level, graduated from Mansfield High School, and is in his 17th year of teaching. Both Brown and Shepard were honored at the MISD 2021 Employee Awards reception and will go on to compete in the Education Service Center Region 11 Teacher of the Year competition and could potentially advance to compete for Texas Teacher of the Year.
0: What's better than video from Mars? Audio from Mars. And roving science reporter Dennis Webb is dialed into the right frequency. Dennis?
1: Listen to this sound. The low rumble you hear is the sound of the wind on the planet Mars whipping around the Perseverance rover. The high-pitched whine is the sound of the rover itself, likely the sound of the electrical motors that allow the rover to move around. Listen again. This is the first sound recorded on the surface of Mars. The winds have been well known from uh, photos of the dust and dust storms, but never heard and the sound of the wheel motors were familiar to the builders of the rover when they were doing all of their testing. This is the first time a microphone picked up these sounds together on Mars. The rover made and sent these recordings back to Earth as a part of its planned mission. We get to hear this recording largely because an ordinary citizen and space enthusiast, a fellow named Jason Mazellas, had the Idea that the rover needed a microphone. Jason is a Los Angeles based musician and audio engineer. His stage name is Jason Achilles. Uh, He's a left handed guitar player. In 2016, he shared his ideas with a friend who happened to be one of the JPL rover drivers. NASA was also interested in putting a microphone on the Perseverance rover, then called Mars 2020, and they put him on contract as he had done a lot of deep independent research on how to solve the technical challenges of putting a microphone on a Mars rover. The air is thin, muffling the sound, and the environment is hostile to electronics, but Jason suggested a promising off-the-shelf microphone that worked in the brutal pre-launch testing of everything on the rover. He also recommended how the microphone signal might be digitized to be sent to Earth and processed so we can hear what we're hearing. Leaders of the JPL rover projects had also heard from blind citizens that they wanted to hear audio from Mars because they couldn't enjoy the pictures. Further, rover engineers wanted to be able to listen to the rover's motors operating as useful engineering data about wear and aging of the drive-wheel motors. A previous generation of rowers, Spirit and Opportunity, ended their mission when they could no longer move around. The microphone idea came together in a complicated project, and it worked. There will be more audio for Mars and maybe music albums that include these eerie sounds. Jason Mazella's success in this unlikely partnership led to another contracted partnership to provide landing photography of a future lunar lander. If you dream big, work hard, persist, and talk to interesting people, you can find partners to make the dreams possible, perhaps no matter who you are. Also on Mars this week, China landed their first rover on the surface, the Zhirong, named after an ancient Chinese god of fire, with their own engineering solution to the seven minutes of terror that gets the rover, a big rover, safely to the surface. Watch for this rover's photographs and scientific results from its exploration, useful to planetary geologists all over our planet. The joke's write themselves about robot battles on Mars, but it's not a real thing, as Uran and Perseverance are several hundred kilometers away from each other and currently have no plans to meet. Mars is a big place, and many researchers, space programs, and normal humans want to know more about this remote place. From the Science Desk at About Mansfield, I'm Dennis Webb.
0: The source of Dennis's Mars audio story stems from an article penned by Eric Adams of Wired Magazine, and we have a link to that story on our website, aboutmansfield.com. Just click on the links tab.
2: Brian Certain's mixing up a concoction that will make you pucker up, and he's here to tell you all about it with the Cocktail of the Week. Brian? This
3: week's Cocktail of the Week is the Whiskey Sour. When it comes to the official record, there are three main points of reference for the whiskey sour. The first written record comes from the aforementioned 1862 book, The Bartender's Guide to How to Mix Drinks by Jerry Thomas. Many of this previous Cocktail of the Week segments also date back to this historic book. And the original recipe from that book read for the whiskey sour is to use a small bar glass and take one large spoonful of powdered white sugar dissolved with a little seltzer. Take the juice of half of a small lemon and then a wine glass of bourbon or rye whiskey. Fill the glass full of shaved ice, shake up and strain into a claret glass ornament with berries." So with the modern cocktail, you'll find a lot of similarities, but we're going to use other references other than things like ornament with berries and uh, a wine glass of bourbon. Because I'm not exactly sure how your wine pours go, but that could be a lot of bourbon. But the recipe also differs from the modern day version in the style of glass that is and the type of ice that is used. But the prototype was there in that 1862 book. The next reference comes from the 1870 edition of the Washa Plains Dealer, a Wisconsin newspaper. The final reference to the drink comes two years later in 1872 with a former ship steward, Elliot Smith, who invented the drink, quote unquote, the whiskey sour. In a bar in Lalique, which was a part of Peru at that time. Though these three origins come to more or less what we have today, it's a cocktail that mixes a spirit, a sour, and a sweet. It's a very classic style. and You'll see this mixture of a spirit, a sweet, and a sour combination in a lot of cocktails that we've talked about and that we'll continue to talk about. Don't worry about taking notes as I'm giving out all the ingredients and instructions. They'll always be posted on bourbongospel.com. The whiskey sour. You need two ounces of bourbon, three-fourths of an ounce of fresh lemon juice, three-fourths of an ounce of simple syrup. You're going to need a half of an orange wheel for garnish and a couple of Lazardo cherries also for garnish. You're going to combine the bourbon, the lemon juice, and the simple syrup in a cocktail shaker. Fill the shaker with ice, cover, and shake vigorously until the outside of the shaker is very cold, sometimes around 20 seconds. You're going to strain the cocktail through a strainer into an old-fashioned glass or an on-the-rocks glass filled with fresh ice. You'll garnish with the orange wheel and the cherry. As always, I'm open to hear your take and your input. You can reach me at bourbongospel at gmail.com. And until next week, as Mark Twain has said, too much of anything is bad, but too much whiskey is barely enough. Reporting for the About Mansfield podcast, this is Brian Certain.
0: Friday is National Bike to Work Day, which falls on the third Friday in May, in which people are encouraged to take their bicycle to work. Studies have shown that bicycling to work is not only good for you and a whole lot of fun, but it also increases your happiness level and helps your brain function better. And besides, it allows you to save all that money that would otherwise be spent on gas. Let's see if the weather is going to cooperate as you strap on your helmet, jump on your bike, and enjoy a nice leisurely ride to work. Colleen.
2: Taking a look at Mansfield weather for the next seven days, the next few days are going to look a lot like the last few days with continuing chances for rain and highs only getting into the upper 70s. So if you're going to ride your bike on Friday for National Bike to Work Day, you might want to bring a snorkel with you. Moving through into Sunday and the start of next week, we should move into a drier pattern with partly cloudy skies and highs creeping up into the low to middle 80s Meanwhile, irrigation sprinklers should remain off this week. Mansfield lawns received as much as three to six inches of rain so far this week, with more storms forecast through the weekend. The Tarrant Regional Water District suggests that if you like to keep your controller on automatic settings, one tool to help manage your water use is a rain sensor, which helps prevent your sprinklers from coming on during and after significant rain. As always, you can view a map of watering recommendations for North Texas at
0: Congratulations to Tom Ritter, who is not only a nice guy, but was the first person to email the correct answer to last week's trivia question. Who owned the first hotel in Mansfield? tom knew it was our city's co-founder julian field and his wife henrietta who operated an inn on broad street in the 1860s and 70s and he's won a 25 dollars gift card to our place restaurant coming up after the break it's this week's trivia question of the week i'm steve casillo and this
3: is about mansfield your logo or emblem defines who you are. So why not show it off with custom printed shirts? I'm Dana Wood with Ohana Screen Printing. We are a custom screen printing company and can print your design or help you create a new design. While t-shirts are our specialty, we can print on all kinds of apparel such as masks, hoodies, bags, you name it. Ohana means family and that's exactly why we started Ohana Screen Printing to bring our family and community together through creative expression. We look forward to adding you to our family. Rest assured that when you do business business with ohana screen printing that your dollars stay local as we are a family-owned business based right here in mansfield if you're part of a business organization or sports team looking to make a visual presence hit us up on facebook or ohana screen that's ohana screen
0: Hey, it's Steve Casillo. I want to take a second to tell you about Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. It's where we record and produce our weekly About Mansfield episodes. Podcast Mansfield is a full-service studio with recording, editing, mixing, and mastering capabilities, and can even help market your podcast. Podcast Mansfield is home to such great local shows such as Ask Philip, the Face Off Spot, and Daughter of the Other Woman, just to name a few, and handles post-production duties for remote clients, such as Coaching Through Chaos out of San Diego, and Military Resource Radio from Detroit. So whether you're a hands-on person who just needs a place to record your podcast, or need the help from concept to completion, Podcast Mansfield is there to help. Conveniently located on Heritage Parkway, just off of 287 in Mansfield, for more information on starting your podcast, or if you're looking Looking for a better place to record? Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio can be found on the Internet at PodcastMansfield.com. That's Podcast Mansfield.
6: Hey, Mansfield. Did you know cannabis is legal in Texas? I'm Sonia Salazar, co owner of Wise Wellness. As cannabis educators and advocates, we can answer any questions you have regarding hemp derived CBD. Wise Wellness carries a variety of products, including oils, topicals, edibles, and pet products. We are located on FM 157 beside Mansfield Fun Jewelry. As a thank you to the About Mansfield podcast listeners, we are offering a buy one, get one free special on select products. Just mention the podcast. checkout. Follow us on social media for our latest updates. Search for Wise Wellness. That's Wise, W-Y-S-E, wellness on Facebook and Instagram. See you soon.
0: It's time right now for the highly coveted, wildly popular trivia question of the week. The first person to email the correct answer to... Trivia at AboutMansfield.com will receive a $25 gift card to Our Place Restaurant. It's real home cooking, featuring breakfast all day as well as lunch and fresh baked homemade pies. They're open daily 6 to 3 and you can find them on the internet at Our Place Restaurants. Dot com. Let's get to this week's question,
2: Colleen. Well, Steve, Benjamin Franklin appointed the first Postmaster General by the Continental Congress in 1775, and thus the U.S. Postal Service was born. This week's trivia question is: What year did the first post office open in Mansfield? Email your answer to Trivia at AboutMansfield.com. Again. What year did the first post office open in Mansfield? Good luck, and thanks to Benji at our place for the gift card.
0: Welcome back to another segment of About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casillo as we make the transition from news to talk. And in the studio today, we thought we would take you back through the old days of Mansfield. And I, I did a little research around here and found not only is he a Mansfield native, uh, he's got some stories to tell of, of, of old-time Mansfield, but uh, he still lives on the property that he was born and raised on. And, and, and we welcome Rick Wilson to the studio. Welcome to About
8: Mansfield. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. Yeah, that would be a cow pasture I live in. You were, you were, <laughs> you were raised in a cow pasture. Yes. and uh... I was raised on a dairy
0: farm. And so I'm thinking that we're also going to have a little fun because I, you're a friend of mine. I've known you for a long time. Well, thank and, you. And so, you know, just sit back, relax, and we're just going to have a little chit-chat. For the benefit of the listeners, if you don't mind to try to give them an idea of at least how old you are. I don't know if you want to tell the people how old you are or at least give, you a, give them a, an age range of...
8: I was born in 1898 in Mansfield, Texas. So we're going to go way back. I was born in 1964 in Mansfield, Texas. All right,
0: so you're uh, you're, you're coming up on uh, August, yeah. actually. Born in 1964, so we're going to take <laughs> a, a, a trip back again to uh, to old time Mansfield. Tell me about because you once told me that that. You were raised on the property that you still live in. Yes. Let's go back to
8: let's go back to 1964 when when Rick was born. Well, at that time, uh, Mansfield did it, it did have a hospital, and it was called Cedars Hospital. It was on Broad Street. Now, where the uh, is it the courthouse? It would be where the courthouse is at now. Okay. Next door to City Hall. Yeah, across the street.
0: Oh, across the street from City Hall. That would be the public safety building. Yeah. Do you remember who, do you remember the name of the doctor that delivered you?
8: Dr. Percy Cook. He was probably the oldest doctor in Mansfield for a long time. He had an office here on uh, Main Street, which is next door to the post office. The old post office, nobody thinks about the old post office. Dr. Cook was one of the guys, the old doctors that I can still remember would make house calls. He'd come out to your house. If you had a problem, you'd call him up, VR-549, some telephone number like that, and he'd drive out to your house and have his little black bag and treat you there at home. Or if he lived on the outskirts of Mansfield, that was maybe a little too far for him to drive, he just go out and his get in his helicopter and fly his helicopter out to your your home and treat you there, get back in his helicopter and fly back to the office. Wow. That's <laughs> that's that was a rarity and an oddity for doctors back then and You know, I'm
0: holding a book right now. You you uh, the book which which is for sale at the Man, uh, the Mansfield Heritage Museum at the corner of Broad and Main Street. It's called The History yes. of mm-hmm. Mansfield, Texas. And Dr. Percy Cook is actually in the book. It takes up two and a half pages of
8: his bio. Yeah, and they have uh, they have uh, some of his uh, medical, island, his chair. I mean, he only had like one medical chair. So everybody that knew him sat in that chair one time or another. Yeah, he was just a great man.
0: Retired in 1987, so he'd been around for quite some time here in Mansfield.
8: Yeah, he was also good friends with uh, there used to be a grocery store chain here called Buddy's, Buddy's Grocery Store, Jack Benyon. Jack Benyon, yes, if you, I don't know if you've ever heard of Jack Benyon, was he he had a casino in Vegas, Benyon's, and Dr. Cook. The owner of Buddy's Grocery Store and Jack Binion were all good buddies, and Binion would always just have Dr. Cook and his wife always just flown out to Vegas all the time, just for supper. Not bad for a little doctor, country doctor.
0: Where you live right now, I'm not going to give you an exact address, but you're out a little bit west of of the, the Mansfield Post Office, and out in that, that area over there. The train tracks are fairly close to your home. And describe, because you've got a really cool home. Thank you. And describe what your home is like and and what you've done to embellish this home. Uh, you, the, the knickknacks
8: that you've got in your home and the, the collectibles and... Oddities.
0: Oddities, okay.
8: Oddities. Um, I guess some people would call them or, or weird weird things uh but my home was basically built by my grandma and grandpa and myself when i put the time in uh with no power tools all wood frame home from salvaged lumber that came from old homes in fort worth and he would go tear down uh board by board and They would always bring the lumber back to our house, and we'd have to pull nails and stack it up and put it away. Well, that was sort of like a savings account, because he built my sisters a house, he built my brother a house, and he built me a house. And these were all on the same property, right? Yes. We had one-acre parcels out of the 40 or 80 acres. I can't remember how much we had at that time. Mm -hmm. You know, just as anybody else that has a home, uh, things accumulate. And I have a lot of accumulations of not, not the type of things that most normal people have. Such as? Um, I don't know. Uh, some frogs in a jar from... Oh, yeah. They would actually uh, um, bring up Dr. Cook again. Up, uh, he had an estate sale after he passed away. We went and picked his barn, and we found his son's biology project still stashed up in the barn, in the loft, in the barn, in the formaldehyde with some giant bullfrogs and lizards and... Let's go back to your family. How many siblings do you have? So, I have a brother, older brother, and two older sisters. And I have one younger half brother. And do they still live in Mansfield? Um, No, I have my oldest sister. She lives in Houston. Uh, My next to the youngest sister, Lily, she lives, uh, oh, Lily, I said her name. Shout out to Lily. (laughs) There you go. She lives, he lives next door to me in the cow pasture. Um, And my brother, I don't know where he lives, but then my half-brother, he lives in Houston with his wife.
0: Talk about a a typical day for little Rick.
8: A typical day? A a typical day
0: for little Rick at home. uh, You're living on the cow pasture with with your grandparents. You've you've gone to school, and and we're going to talk about education here in just a little bit, but uh, you've gone to school. Now you're home for the day. What is a typical day like for Rick Wilson?
8: Well, once we came home from school and we took care of whatever it was they needed us to take care of, I was gone. I was never in the house. I was outside somewhere in the vast hundred acres of my our property and maybe some other people's property, climbing fences, climbing trees. Doing what boys do. Running the creek. Playing I, on the railroad tracks. Uh, having a little Red Ryder BB gun. Yeah. Never shot my eye out. I did shoot my brother once. I trapped him in a in one of our little shops, and I stuck the barrel through the through the wall and started shooting my BB gun. The BBs were ricocheting everywhere, and he was he was very mad at me. That's when we were kids, and I got a whooping for that. Describe a whooping. Uh, it's where an adult takes their backhand to you as a child and straightens you butt up when you ain't been doing right. <laughs> Or there was always, uh, go get your own, go get me a switch. That was my grandma's favorite saying, go get me a switch right now. And a switch is? Um, It could either be a uh, heavy-duty weed, and you strip the leaves off, or it could be this, mainly it's a stick off of a tree, and you strip the leaves off, and you get your little... (laughs) but
0: switched. And and you knew if someone said, get me a switch, you were in trouble. You were in trouble. Where'd you go to elementary school? That would have been Alice Ponder. Alice Ponder, which is still there right across the street from the post office. Yes.
8: Yes, they they tore the original school down and built a new one uh, a few years back, but that's where I started kindergarten. And then the rest of your educational, where'd you go after that, did my 7th and 8th grade year in, uh, what I don't know what the school's called now, across from the Dairy Queen. That would be Irma Nash. Okay, so that's what they did. They took Irma Nash, which was on the other side of the street, turned that into the... Uh, the Phoenix Academy. Yeah, and moved Irma Nash name over to where our junior high was. And then I proceeded from there to uh, graduate from the Mansfield High School on Walnut Creek. That was our last high school before we started getting new schools built. With the Rock Gym. The Rock Gym was my sixth grade class. Was it that was that our school. Was in the gym. Oh, okay. no. they're, oh, they're at the, on, yeah, on that campus. Yeah, that was the campus, uh-huh. Okay. And actually, the Mansfield ISD office was the little office up front at the corner, of that little bitty building. That was the total MISD corporate world. Yeah. And now, I'm sure it's in some skyscraper around here somewhere. With It's in the Center for the Performing Arts, which is, yeah,
0: almost a skyscraper. Knowing that a lot of the elementary and intermediate schools, uh, some of the middle schools are named after teachers. Do, did you have any teachers that eventually had a, a school named after them?
8: Several of the new schools now were my teachers. There's Mrs. Job, Mrs. Neal, Mrs. Shepard. Donna Shepard. Donna Shepard, and she was an athletic coach. Okay. She was more my older sister's teacher, but I didn't know Miss Shepherd. Did you have a prom? <laughs> no, we didn't do proms. So this Mansfield was really out in the country then. Yeah, but, but no, man I mean the, the, the schools had the proms and the the whole uh homecoming football games and all that stuff. You know, I was in the marching I was in the band, per, I was a percussionist and um did the whole marching band thing for my first year of high school, and then I quit. I quit uh, after that. I think marching was too hard with the big big drum around my leg. I couldn't take it. What's your earliest recollection of Main Street? Oh, the snow cone stand next door. It, it's this, a stone's throw from Jalisco's Mexican restaurant. There was a little snow cone stand right on Main Street, and... Uh, Van Worth Street, because Van Worth Street was a street that I lived on when I was newly, when I was just a year, just barely born. My father, my father lived on Vanworth, and his mother, my grandmother, uh, she had a little house on Vanworth, and the snow cone stand was right there. We always went to get snow cones. Van Worth and Maine. Van Worth and Maine. Mm-hmm. Wow, you're really bringing stuff back that I ain't thought of in a long time. I want you to. One of my favorite
0: stories that you've told over the years that I've known you is a Christmas Day story. And tell the listeners this story about growing up on the dairy farm, playing on the railroad tracks, and Christmas Day came along.
8: Always lived by the railroad track my whole life, uh, in one house or the other, but mainly at my grandparents' house with the dairy farm. Constant trains going both ways. I mean, today the train is basically coming from Fort Worth and going south. Uh, but when I was a kid, they were going and coming. So it was a big, it was always something to go here. Come, you know, the train would start blowing his horn a long ways from the crossing of course to let people know he was coming. And so we'd always run out to the train, wave, wave to the the engineer, and then once he couldn't see anymore, that's when we'd pick up rocks, and we'd start throwing rocks at the... hitting the train cars and stuff. And watching, looking for hobos. I always see hobos. And I can't remember how old I was when this all started to occur, but one engineer in particular would start wrapping up candy in the little paper towels that he kept in in the engine. And he'd wrap up candy and throw us candy out the window. Hmm. And uh, there was one particular Christmas that he uh, actually stopped the train and got me, I think he stopped it before uh, the crossing and he got took me in the engine and drove me down the to the crossing, and gave me a, a little toy plastic train lantern for Christmas. And I never knew his name, never knew this man or knew his name, but I still have that lantern today. And he stopped the train. He stopped the train. Can you imagine nowadays? To do that. Stopping a train. To Just give a t- to do that. To give a kid a
0: toy. I wonder how many violations that would be nowadays. Do you, any idea what year that was?
8: It's probably early 70s. Okay. And when Easter came, after Easter, we could run around with nothing but shorts on. And that's that's what I did. I wore no shoes, no shirt, and all summer long, it was just running, going everywhere with a pair of shorts on. Hmm. Well, let's talk about running around in shorts, uh, the
0: the social part of Rick Wilson. What you guys do for fun? Because back then... There weren't many parks. If there were any parks at all, they were just little patches of grass. I think it was um, Julian Field Park
8: was Mansfield's first park, but that wasn't until the, the 60s. After Magnolia Street, I don't know the name of it, but we did have a city pool. We did have a, a, a city swimming pool, and we would go there every now and then. And what neighbors, we didn't have neighbors on top of us. All the neighbors were spread out. And um, so there were other boys and girls up and down the road. And that's what we did. We just all got together and played. Uh, everybody we mainly used to come to our place. And we had a place in the back we called the Sand Pile. And we would, we'd dig holes Big, gigantic holes and make and make couches and chairs with the sand and just hang out. and Yeah. Did you play sports? Uh, no, we couldn't play sports because there was a chance we could be injured. And if we were injured, we couldn't take care of the cows. Oh, that'd be a bummer. <laughs> you, uh, cows are big responsibilities. Hmm. You know. They don't milk themselves. Yeah, I think on a dairy farm they are a big responsibility, and everything revolved around milking the cows. So, not a lot of vacations. We did take some time off to go fishing and little road trips, but it was always a lot of work to do with the cows, and plus everything else that's involved with the cows. Was it a real religious family? Did you go to church on Sunday? No. And no, were there any churches? We know, had to take care of the cows. You had to take care of the cows. The cows didn't take Sunday off. <laughs> but
0: on the seventh day, God rested, did he not? But He the cows, did. But the cows he did, did not. He did. One of the mainstays, one of the places in Mansfield that uh, was a gathering place, for many many decades, was the Cowbell Rodeo. Cowbell Rodeo. Did you
8: ever Did you ever hang out there? Sure. Got any stories of the Cowbell Rodeo? Well, we 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 tried to go up there on a on a normal Saturday night on a normal basis about every Saturday if we could. My uncle Tom, he would be the one that would take us, and we'd go to the rodeo Saturday night, and then we'd come back home, and. Watch Saturday Night wrestling from Will Rogers Auditorium from Fort Worth, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> then we'd get up Sunday morning and not go to church. Yeah. We'd drive to Forest Hill to Mary's Cafe and eat pancakes and eggs. What was it like going to the
0: Cowbell Rodeo on a Saturday night? What were some of the activities that uh, that they would do? Oh,
8: just uh, the crowd. The uh, Even before you went in the doors, you could smell that sp- fresh pop popcorn uh of course they had all the rodeo activities that a good rodeo would and that's a uh, bareback riding bull riding barrel racing the girls all did barrel racing and the little kids what'd they do they put all the little kids line them up out in the middle of the arena and let a bunch of little baby calves go and then you would chase after that baby calf to get a ribbon off his tail. And if you got that ribbon, you got to go home with a belt buckle. Did you ever go home with a belt buckle? I did not. No. Just a mouthful of dirt. Uh, you still own the dirt? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> 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 and But I want to say that I think Mansfield made a huge mistake by letting the cowbell rodeo be torn down for another school, because there was a lot of lessons learned at that rodeo mm-hmm. that you wouldn't learn from a school. And I think that's that, that was a very, very sad day to see Cowbell Rodeo be destroyed like that. So maybe it should have been named as a historic landmark? Absolutely. A national landmark in my mind. Yeah and if, there, if there's anybody here listening to this that's that remembers the cowbell they they'll, they'll smile they'll know they'll smile when they think about it nothing nothing bad to say about that place Well, that was before my time, but
0: the cowbell sounds like it was an awesome place to gather on a Saturday night. Join us next week when we conclude our talk with Mansfield native Rick Wilson. We'll touch on the far best theater. Remember the Bronco Cafe and the ever popular lightning round and also how he came to marry the joy of his life. Also next week on About Mansfield, it's Mansfield News talk and information. Until then, don't forget to follow this podcast if you haven't already, so you never miss an episode. It's free and it's easy just to enter your email address on our website, aboutmansfield.com. We will never send you any spam. We promise
2: about mansfield is recorded at podcast mansfield recording studio hosts steve casillo and colleen daniel reporters stacy main and dennis webb moment with the mayor feature michael evans school board recap courtney wilson home improvement feature terry radzwin cocktail of the week feature brian certain sports tommy cummings Post production editing, mixing, and mastering, Steve Casillo.
0: We thank you all for listening on behalf of the entire news team. I'm Steve Casillo, and this is about Mansfield.